Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Hebrews chapter 8, and I'm calling today's message A Better Covenant with Better Promises. And the reason I'm calling it that is because that's what the Bible says, uh, and we'll look at that in a minute. But listen, a little review. We've been learning about the superiority of the new covenant over the old. We've been learning about how superior Jesus Christ is to all that is considered great in the old covenant. Jesus, as you've seen if you've been traveling with us, is greater than the angels. He's greater than all the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's, he's greater than the priesthood. And the author continues to encourage particularly the first century Jewish Christian. You think, well, well, that's not me. Well, there's a lot, believe me, that relates to you. But you, we tend to forget the first Christians were Jews, right? The first Christians were Jewish believers. But one of their big challenges was they wanted to always go back to the old ways, back to the priesthood, back to the temple, back to the sacrifices, back to the rituals and traditions, and sometimes to the point of even forsaking some of the new covenant principles for the old covenant. And that's what the writer of Hebrews continues to warn them about. Don't forsake Jesus. Don't trade it back for the old ways. And recently our focus has been upon the priesthood. Uh, and, And the thing is, because at the center of all Torah activities is the temple and the priesthood. And it's time to move on to a better covenant with better promises. As a matter of fact, just to tell you, show you where I got that from, look at verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, speaking of Jesus, inasmuch as he is, uh, excuse me, inasmuch as he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. And that's what we're talking about today. Father, speak to our hearts. Lord, I know, though this is specially related to the first century Jewish Christian, Lord, I know it also relates to us. So help us, Lord. Open our ears, open our heart that we'd hear what you have to say to us today, Lord. Teach your people through your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, in chapter 7, to get the flow here, we saw that Jesus is our new high priest, and and there's this new order of priesthood that uh, it seems like most Jews were not quite aware of. It was the order of Melchizedek that actually was before the priesthood of the Levitical priesthood, and now has taken over after the Levitical priesthood. And so, as we're looking at this argument, or this, this uh, 
principle that the author is writing. He starts in verse 8. And remember, you know, I told you before, there were no chapter headings, you know, back then. They, they broke the Bible up into chapters and verses so we could find things easier. Uh, when you write a letter to somebody you love, you don't go, and chapter 2. And furthermore, verse 3. You don't do that, right? So this wasn't written like that, but it's for our benefit. So we could, and I'm grateful because I could find things easier. Now, chapter 8, verse 1. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and a, the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, and not man. What, what the author said, look, everything we saw before was just a shadow. It was just a precursor. It was just... To let you know what's coming. Now what's coming has come. And it's Jesus Christ, the great high priest. And, and now we have a high priest that doesn't just go into an earthly tabernacle once a year on the Holy of Holies. He's in heaven. He's serving in heaven. And he's far superior and, and to all of the high priests that serve on earth. Okay, And we're going to continue to look at this a little bit more before, before we get off the topic. Because the Levitical priests were serving on earth which was a mere shadow of what was happening in heaven. I think I, I read this verse last week to you, but just make sure you get it. And Hebrews 10.1 says this, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. Look at this word. A dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. And it goes on, and we'll get more into it when we get to the chapter 10. But I'm telling you something, Jesus is the real deal. He's what we've been waiting for. He's what they've been waiting for. And it was time to let go of the old and, and embrace the new. And, and our high priest, Jesus Christ, ministers now in the true sanctuary, the original, not the copy, in heaven. And while all the other high priests on earth, they were at that time, they were still ministering in the shadow rather than the substance. Remember, we talked about this, the shadow versus the substance. The real thing, the substance, is in heaven. The shadow was just images on earth. That was, that was the whole old priestly system. So, uh, let's get a little bit deeper. Verse 2 says, A minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, not man. The true tabernacle. Not one we built and put up the tent pegs or put the golden walls up, whatever they did. It's like, this is the better. Um, so, what, now, some of you might be asking, why are we spending so much time on this high priest thing? You know, why, why does the author here spend so much time? Because today, it really probably doesn't matter at all to you. <coughs> you. Most of you would probably be quite happy if we just skipped these chapters or this topic, right? But I want to remind you, the first century Jewish Christian, because the first believers were Jews, it was a major issue for them. Since their greatest temptation was to keep wanting to go back to the Jewish rituals and traditions. And at the center of it all was the high priest. And, and, and the temple activities, of course, and the priestly functions. And at the top of that whole pyramid was the, the high priest who interceded and intervened on their behalf before God. He was their main man. And what the author of Hebrews keeps wanting to say is, no. Jesus is your main man. Everything's changed now. Jesus is the main man. It's not the high priest. Um, because he forever replaces the old system. No going back. Now, I want you to notice a couple things. I, I 
could easily skip. In verse 1, it says that the main point of the things we're saying is we have a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne. Now listen, the high priest, the earthly high priest, they never sat. As a matter of fact, if you do an in-depth study of all the furnishings of the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies, there's the table of showbread and the, the altar of incense and there's, there's the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. There's all, this, uh, there's all kinds of furniture, but there's one piece of furniture you won't find in the temple or the tabernacle in its chairs. They, they didn't sit because no high priest ever sat. It, it, there's always more to do and it wasn't a place that I'm finished. No chairs in the temple except one, by the way. There's kind of like a place called the mercy seat. Matter of fact, I think I have a, a picture, the mercy seat, which I have a hard time picturing sitting on that, but w because it was for God. It wasn't designed for human anatomy, okay? The mercy seat was supposed to be the resting place of God. And I love that it's called mercy seat. And I love the idea that maybe that's where Jesus is sitting right now on the mercy seat. Anybody need mercy? Uh, uh, yeah, I need mercy and grace, not justice, right? And so Jesus' job as the high priest is now complete. Have you heard? It is finished. And now he's forever seated at the right hand of God. And I suspect it could very well be a place called the mercy seat because that's who Jesus is to me. He's mercy and grace. And Jesus is our high priest who ministers from a position, by the way, of all authority in heaven and on earth, unlike the high priests that were earthly. And he's seated at the right hand of the throne on high, the right hand of God. Matter of fact, if you know the culture of the, that time, nobody sits at the right hand of the king except somebody with great authority who's been commissioned and has that authority. And so Jesus has all authority. <coughs> now, verse 3 says, For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. So the high priest, by virtue of his office, he would approach God with a sacrifice and he'd be interceding for the people. By the way, that's, one of the, that's the major difference between a prophet and the high priest or any priest. A prophet stood before people to represent God to them and he had a message from God to them. A priest would stand before God to represent the people to God. And he'd intercede on their behalf, offering gifts, sometimes gifts of praise or thanksgiving, offering particularly a sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. And so the difference between a prophet and a priest, it's important that you understand that. But offerings and sacrifices were the main responsibility of the, the priest to bring before God, to represent the people in a very favorable way, interceding, on their behalf. And it also says in verse 3, um, it's necessary that this one also have something to offer. You know, um, I don't know if you've really thought of it much, but Jesus' sacrifice that he offered wasn't just something he brought. It was something he was. Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, he was the offering. And, you know, no other high priest ever did that. That wasn't the way it was designed. That was not the Levitical way anyway. That was not the required uh, way by the law of Moses. But it was all a picture of what was coming in Jesus Christ, the great high priest who himself 
was the offering, who himself is, as John the Baptist proclaimed, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, I, if you're new here, I've noticed I've met a couple of visitors today. Just to warn you, we go verse by verse in the Bible. And so I'm going to take this one chunk at a time. Uh, we don't just teach topically here at Calvary Chapel, but we teach biblically verse by verse because I figure, figure if, if God wants you to know about it and we just go through the Bible, His, His Word, you'll get, it'll be in there somewhere, right? And believe me, it's there. So verse 4, one verse at a time. Verse 4. Speaking of Jesus, if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Now, this is kind of interesting, but, you know, Jesus wouldn't even qualify as a Levitical priest. He was not from the tribe of Levi. If he was still on earth at the time of the writing of this, he, he, if he went to the temple and says, I'm here to do some sacrificing, I'm going to do a, a, the priestly duty, or whether it's high priest or anything, he wouldn't qualify for any of it. So if he was here today... Um, he would not be a priest because that was not his calling to be a priest according to the Levitical priesthood. Remember, we talked about this last week and a little bit the week before of the Aaronic priesthood of the sons of Aaron the, that were the Levites or as opposed to Melchizedek, the priest who, it, the Bible actually says Jesus is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So, by the way, something else that came to my attention as I was reading this that I'd like to remind you is that uh, the author of Hebrews is writing as if these sacrifices and these functions of the priest were actually happening at the time of writing it. And most people figure, most of the scholars believe that it was like six years before 70 AD when, when the temple, I've told you before, would be destroyed, the priestly functions would come to a screamy, screeching halt, everything that the Jews, these Jews were looking towards would all come to an end when the Romans sacked Jerusalem and burnt down the temple in 70 AD. And boy, how God was getting his people ready for what's coming and just saying, look, don't get your eyes on that because that's temporary. And the permanent has just replaced the temporary. And now look to Jesus, not the high priest. So, by the way, so we're, we're talking the writing of this letter was just shy of, of 70 AD, probably six years before and only around 30 years at the most after the, the resurrection and crucifixion. Or I should say the other way around, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it was fairly early. So we go on to read in verse 5. Uh, these other priests who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain if you remember the story in Exodus when Moses went up into the mountain to receive all these instructions from God I hope he had a tablet or something to write this oh yeah he did different tablet uh, but it, it, it's hard to remember all this stuff it must have been the Holy Spirit that helped him but all of this the, the temple that he was about or actually at that time it was the tabernacle he was going to build it was supposed to be specifically built with specific measurements and specific furniture and because it was all a picture of what was in heaven now, when we get to heaven, I don't know if we're going to go, oh yeah, there's the table of showbread and there's the altar of incense. I don't know. Other than it all spiritually represents what's going on in heaven. I don't know how much alike, but I certainly know it, it's a shadow of the reality. It's the shadow 
of the substance, the real deal that's in heaven. And so that's what we see over and over again, the shadow versus the substance in verse 5. Now, there were plenty of priests who could serve at that time in the copy or shadow on earth. There were plenty of Levites around at that time who actually could prove their birthright. And by the way, um, since then, from the burning of the temple and the destruction of other records, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for any Jew to say, I'm a Levite, I'm of the tribe, of, uh, I'm a descendant of Aaron, because all of the records have been destroyed. Oh no, it's okay, because now we have Jesus. Now it's not so, now it's, it may be important to some Jews today that want to prove their pedigree and who they are, but you know what? We know it was all replaced and Jesus is our great high priest. We don't need to sweat it. Go, oh, no, the records are gone. It's okay. But there were plenty back then. But Jesus is the only one qualified to serve in that superior, heavenly, original, real altar in heaven. He's our great high priest. And the earthly priesthood, though it was glorious uh, at that time in the eyes of men, it was really, I know I keep saying this, but I want you to know it was just a copy it was just a shadow of what was superior in heaven, the real deal. And so, folks, in the New Covenant as Christians, we get the real deal. We're not so much into symbolism, though there's a lot of beautiful things and symbolic activities and feasts and, and uh, satyrs and things. I love all that stuff, but it's all to point to Jesus Christ. And so verse 6 tells us, but now... He has obtained a more excellent ministry, speaking of Jesus, our high priest, inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, which was established and better promises. Now, I did title the message, Better Covenant, Better Promises, and partly because I want to talk about this a little bit. And so, if you uh, have your inserts, we're going to do some fill-ins, because I want to clarify some things of why it's a... What do you mean better covenant? What do you mean more excellent ministry? What do you mean better promises? So as I titled in your, in your fill-ins, let's get some things straight. That's where we're going to start today. Number one is this. The mediator of the new covenant is Jesus Christ, and he is the only mediator. Oh boy, that's a hot topic. He's the only mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5. There's so many, and it's funny, I was coming in today and I happened to turn on the radio and, and listen to myself. <laughs> and there I was in the Christian radio, and I was talking about this topic, about, about how people like to go to everybody but Jesus. They want to go to Jesus' mom or, or a close relative, or a, they want to pray to a dead saints, and they're looking to somebody to talk to God on their behalf. And you know what? God made a way for you to come to Him Directly through Jesus Christ. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. That's what 1 Timothy 2, 5 says. And as a matter of fact, I put it in New Living. Let's see. See if I can get it right in New Living. For there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus. And why do I say this? Because I grew up watching it done wrong. I grew up watching people going, well, now God, is, he's, too, he's too busy for you, or he's got a lot of things going, so you need to pray to this person instead. Oh, there's a man or a woman who could do a better job and pay closer attention than God himself? Think about it, okay? And so it's important that you understand in this new covenant, you don't pray to a dead saint, you don't pray to Jesus' mama, 
Because I, I promise you, she's not listening. I, I'll bet you every time somebody prays to Mary, she's going, oh God, forgive them. Because that's not how God ordained you come. You come to God through Jesus Christ. That's it. He's the only mediator. Uh, do I spend too much time on this one? I, get, I tell you something, there's a lot of people who got it wrong. But you know what? To the Jew back then, before we came up with this whole system of praying to the saints, there was going to the priest, going to the high priest. Oh, go to the holy man so the holy man could intercede between you and God and he could, he could make things right between you and God. No, you don't have to do it. You don't have to go to your, your bishop, your elders, your priesthood. Any of the, there's so many religions out there with all these different intermediaries. It's Jesus Christ. And you could come directly to Jesus Christ. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He doesn't say, go through somebody else. I'm too busy. Or I'm too holy and you're too sinful. So go through this other system. No. It's Jesus Christ. He's the mediator. It's God's plan. He's the only mediator, okay? Now, number two. Christ's ministry as mediator is more excellent than the Old Testament priest because it's ba based on a better covenant and his covenant is founded on better promises. Now, I want to take some time to make sure you understand at least a glimpse of why it's a better covenant with better promises. The better covenant or the old covenant, now get this, the Old Covenant was based upon our keeping our end of the deal for the most part, okay? God did a lot of great things, but the, a lot of weight was placed upon us. Well, let me give you an example. The Old Covenant, Deuteronomy, chapter 27, verse 26, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Cursed is anyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of these instructions. This is after the law was given. After the Ten Commandments and all the law was laid out. And there was a lot of laws. Okay, there's three hundred and something laws. And all the people would reply, Amen. I'd be going, huh? Okay. And then it goes on to say, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world and you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Oh, so much weight was put upon you. You need to make sure you mind your P's and Q's and connect all the dots and jump through all the ho hoops. And if you obey, then I'll bless you. And, and I'm not going to belabor this, but over and over again as you read your Old Testament, you'll see that's the way the Old Covenant ran. The New Covenant, let me show you the difference. It's based upon faith in God and trusting Christ's work for you on the cross. The New Covenant is what I couldn't do, God did for me. And I believe Him and I trust in, in Him. It's based upon faith in His work. Let me just read you another excerpt from the New Testament that shows that picture. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. But people are counted as righteous... Not because their work, but because their faith in God who forgives sinners. By the way, this is Paul writing. He's explaining the difference of, the, of people thinking, oh, I've got to work my way to, to heaven. I've got to be good enough for God. And he's saying, no, you're counted righteous not because of your work, but because of your faith in God who forgives sinners. Let me read on. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without Working for it. 
You got to earn it. You got to work for it. This is a new covenant. You are made righteous through trusting God without working for it. I love that. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. What he's saying is, you've sinned, you've been disobedient, and oh, how joyful to come to Christ and know that he alone could wipe it all away. Oh, the new covenant. It's a wonderful thing. goes on to say, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. And we'll look more at this before we end today, that the, the old covenant really couldn't totally eliminate your sins. It just covered them. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I tell you what, that's a better covenant. The new covenant, for sure, it's a better covenant. Now we can do a series on it and we can show you all the differences between all the heavy weight put upon you from the old covenant and all the weight taken off your chest by just trusting Christ who did it all for you in the new covenant. But we're not going to do that. I just want to show you a little picture of the better covenant. Now by the way, it doesn't mean God doesn't want, you don't have to obey. You don't have to, now, now I can do whatever I want. Certainly God is calling you to a life of faith and repentance and a life of obedience. But it all depends upon him, what he did for you, not on you being careful not to step in the wrong place, okay? Now, what about the better promises? We look a little bit at the difference between a better covenant why is the, uh, is the new covenant filled with better promises? Because here it is. The promises of the old covenant were really for the most part centered upon the promised land and earthly blessings. If you read through all the promises of the Old Testament, it was more earthly. Oh, I'm going to... Matter of fact, let me show you a couple examples. Um, continuing from that Deuteronomy 28 passage I was just reading a moment ago, let me continue on in verse 2. I'll pick up where I left off. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord. That's where I left off. You're God. But listen to the blessings. Here's the, the better blessings. Here's the old blessings. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds of your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. And they'll attack you from one direction. And they'll be scattered from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain and the Lord your God will bless you. Look at this. In the land He has given you. Jesus, he's the resurrection, the love of we hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.